want to own a tow truck company. I've always wanted that. I think we could make a lot of money if we had a tow truck company. Yeah, just do AAA calls. Don't like, don't do repossessions. We got three trucks. It's me sick. and two of my friends. Who do you think would be a tow truck person with you? Well, my brother would definitely do it because he's already a truck driver. It'd be hard. I mean, like seriously, like, who would do it out of your friends? Like all of your friends, like own businesses. I think what would be funny is if I got one of my gay friends to do it with me, and then oh my god. he could just wear shorty shorts when he pulls up. Oh my god! Oh my god! I think that would be like a level of surprise and service. That would that would be great. That, you know, that Chet and his forerunner was not expecting when he broke down on the uh, five freeway. Oh my God, I would actually request the gay tow truck guy. I'm I would sure. Say, I'd like, See, okay, women would prefer that. Oh my God, and we could talk and if I cried because my car was breaking down, he would cry with me. Yeah, I would completely... we'd make a million dollars. We should just hire all gay tow truck drivers. They, well, and they're all really handsome. So they, they get out of the car and they're like, Oh my god, because they all look so good and their like hair is so pretty. Oh my god. I would always request the gay tow truck guy. Oh my god, that's like that's brilliant actually. Drop that business plan, that's a really good one. Uh-huh. What do we call it? Sunshine truck driving. Sunshine. Sunshine towing. Sunshine towing. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hey listeners, ever wonder what it would be like to sell everything and travel the country at the tender age of 50? Well, with our last kid off to college and the ability to now work remotely, we've decided to do just that. So we're selling the house, loading up the dog, and hitting every city from California to Florida. We're scouring the country for a new place to call home and dragging you into every restaurant, Airbnb, and tourist trap we encounter along the way. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. What's up, All-Stars? Welcome to another episode of Skip Town All-Stars. How are we doing, Ethel? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. How's Florida life treating you? Hair's looking good. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> Got your hair, dude. Yep, I do. Okay. Um, Florida's going great. Um, it's raining right now. So, uh, you know, I love the rain. So for me, it's like, oh, so nice. I don't know why I've always loved the rain, but, um, yeah, so it's raining right now. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it because I've done a lot of painting and cleaning and throwing things away. Oh, so it, I'm not really enjoying it, but I actually know. have done a lot of work as well. So, um, I didn't say you didn't, but okay. you're enjoying it and I'm not. So that well, there lies a difference. Then you got to find something to enjoy. <laughs> I do have to find something to enjoy. So that's why we're going to talk about Memphis today. Because <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed Memphis. I did enjoy Memphis because okay. I didn't have to do any housework. All right. Well, let's talk about Memphis then. All right. We're jumping right in, I see. Uh, so when you last caught up with us, we were in Little Rock. Had a pretty decent time there for a couple of days worth of hanging out. Yeah? Yep. 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 And uh, since you're such a big Elvis fan, you said- I do like Elvis. So you just stop right now. I love you're Elvis. Being sassy. I'm no no and judgment. And it was my idea to go to Graceland when we decided that we weren't going to do New Orleans. Um, we changed up our trip a little bit and I was like, let's go to Graceland. And it's only, I think, three, three and a half hours or something like that from Little Rock. So it was a really um, easy drive. Yeah. It was for sure. And uh, we actually were able to find on rover.com 
a person to dog sit for us. <laughs> That's his new app now. Like while we're on the road, he found this app called Rover.com and he finds people who will house sit Roxy in their home, house sitting. Yes. So um, yeah, so he ended up finding a gem of a house sitter. Like her house was insane, yeah. like insanely oh big. God. We the, drove up to that thing. Yeah, the backyard was, you said beautiful. I didn't get out of the car. But um, you said the backyard was really nice and um, Roxy did not want to leave. No, Roxy did not want to leave later in the day. Uh, we pulled up to a house in Germantown, Tennessee, outside of Memphis. Really nice neighborhood. Uh, we're talking houses in the 600s and up easily. Uh, and that's a lot of money. It really did make me wonder why this woman wanted to, it, it made me, it, she was. It, is a lot of, it made me wonder why she wanted 40 bucks to watch our dog when she was living in this castle. Everyone wants a side hustle. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? She's got her some- old man told her like, "Hey, you better start bringing in some income so we can pay for this house." Yep, and she was she probably made how many dogs were there? Uh, there were two, I think. All right, so Plus she, she made- had her own. I can't tell which ones. I when I go to these places, I can't tell whose is theirs. Okay, and- so look, let's say she has two dogs every day, and she does it five days a week. So she's making four hundred bucks a day. That's twelve hundred dollars a month. That's twelve thousand dollars, fourteen thousand dollars a year. So she's making that a totally little- does not add up. Wait, forty dollars per dog. That's eighty bucks per day. That's I just said. So you just $80. said she's making four hundred a day. Four hundred a week. week. Okay, whatever. You know what I meant because I said twelve hundred a month. So you knew what I meant. I didn't. So four hundred a week, twelve hundred a month. That's around what fourteen thousand dollars a year. It's a good little hustle for her. It's like her freaking Target money. Is that what women look for? Is Target <laughs> money? I thought that came out of the house kitty. Sometimes it comes out of the house kitty too. It always comes out of the house kitty for you. <laughs> that is true. Um, all right. So anyway, I found uh, a place in Germantown. And while we were there, we were already hungry because it was lunchtime. Yeah. And uh, I asked her where we should go to lunch. And we were still on that barbecue kick at that point. No, We've actually- We've been off for a couple of days. Yeah, that's not true. You dropped Roxy off and the lady- told you about a place in Germantown called the commissary. And you got back in the car and you said, hey, there's a place right down the street that this woman recommended, but it's barbecue. Because you knew I was still taking a break from barbecue. Do you remember? I said I wanted a salad. And then I was like, fine, let's just go. And it was incredible. It was insane. It was one of the best. And it was so good that we went there because we had the Texas barbecue we had, we've had Kansas City barbecue, but not on this trip, but we've had Kansas City barbecue. In the past, yeah. Then we had, so we had Texas barbecue, Kansas City barbecue, yeah. and now we were doing- Memphis. Memphis barbecue. And, um, oh. This place was it nuts. Was, I, I still just, I'm, I'm in food heaven still right now. I mean, the bun it was served on. Like, I think the bun is so important when you get a barbecue sandwich. Like, like any sandwich, the bread is always, I think, an important part of the sandwich. Yeah. Um, that bun was amazing. And then the banana pudding. Oh, forget about it. Like, okay, the banana pudding, usually crappy banana pudding, I've learned on the road, is just vanilla pudding with banana slices in it. You got the Nella wafers at the bottom and some shitty whipped cream on top, okay? <laughs> this, though, was insane. It was a custard. So it wasn't even a vanilla pudding. It was legit legitimately a banana custard with banana in it. Sure, the Nella wafers were on the bottom, but the whipped cream was not crappy. It was really, really good. That was probably some of the best banana pudding I've had on the road. And I've 
had quite a few. <laughs> you have had quite a few. Magnolia table was number one for sure. This was number two. It was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Like from start to finish, our sandwiches, whatever we, I forget what, even what we ordered. Oh, I know I we left potato there. salad. I know. Coleslaw. We, I know. Sorry. I know. I know we left there with like $200 worth of swag to send to all of our friends. So you're taking that out because I didn't send stuff to some people. I didn't send anything to Lisa. You cannot say that. So sorry. I don't know. I forget what we're talking about now. We liked it so much that we ended up buying spices. Ha. Um, the slogan on the sign says, it's so good, you'll slap your mama. <laughs> How's it spelled? Yo. Y-O? Yo? I-, I believe so, yeah. Mama, I M-O-M-M-A? I don't want to be, you know, Southernist, but um, I'm pretty sure that's how they they spelled it. <laughs> well, it was really good. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, it was like, um, it was- Would you have slapped your mama? No. <laughs> it wasn't that good? I just wouldn't slap my you mom. You just wouldn't slap your mom. No, uh-uh. Um, I think it's just a figure of speech. So, uh, but it really <laughs> is good. Oh my lord, it was so good. Would the barbecue you, was good. Would you slap your mom? No, I don't. Yeah, we don't do that. Okay. Nobody slaps their mama. But that's the point. It's so good it would make you do something crazy. Oh, I get it now. Okay, it would make you do something crazy. I agree. It was that good. It would make you do something crazy. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so we enjoyed our lunch there. They actually got us out in and out in such a flash because we told them the minute we sat down, we said, we have a 2 2 p.m. tour at Graceland. Are we going to make it? And he was like, I'll get you out of here. I got you. I got you. Uh So that was it. And he did have us, uh, I don't know, I forget the guy's name, but he was an amazing server. Germantown Commissary. I, I think there's another one somewhere else in the city, if I'm not mistaken, or in that area, or maybe just in Tennessee. Uh, if you find a barbecue place called the commissary, you have to go. It is nuts. It's so good. So uh, we zipped out of there. We got to our tour. Yes. And uh, we entered the gates of Graceland. Uh, it was so great. Like, I mean- all the years my friends have gone, living in Chicago, like, you know, so many people I know would take a trip there and to be um, to be there was incredible. The thing I found the coolest really was that his house was on such a busy street. So if you live in Memphis you and you work in Memphis and you probably travel that road to get to work or to the grocery store or to a, a school, you're going to pass Elvis's house more than once a day. And to me, I thought that was just very, very cool. He didn't live like up in the hills. He didn't live in like, you know, a gated community way back in, you know, way back somewhere in a gated community. He has a gate on the front of his house for sure. But um, you can see his home from the street and it's a busy, busy street. I love that he built a house there or that he bought that house there. Not that he built it because he actually bought that house. Yeah, they talk all the time about how he, when he got a new vehicle, he would race it down the street or a new motorcycle. There was one motorcycle they had where he could take like two or three people on it. Oh, that's right. A, a trike, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the cops would like just watch him go by. <laughs> that's right. Because he was Elvis. Uh, so that was pretty dope. But um, when you enter the the tour, you know, it's it's a whole thing. I mean, it's extremely well organized, but the tour actually starts 
across the street yeah, from his park. home. So it's kind of deceiving because you enter the gate for um, your appointment for your tour and you think you're entering the ground, the grounds of Graceland and you're not. I mean, you think you are because it's a huge parking lot and, and the yeah. planes are there and gosh, they have it all built up. I mean, yeah, they, his cars are there, everything. Yeah, it, the whole complex is there. The, it's an entertainment complex now. It's like- Oh, they have like concerts, People go You're to right. perform and stuff, yeah. like Nokia in LA. It's like it's similar to that. Yeah, it was very cool. I mean, James, remember you kept thinking the house was on the property too? Yeah. And I said to you, no, the house isn't here. And, um, and you were like, where's the house? I'm like, I don't know, but I don't think it's here. But you do, when you first walk in, think the house is there. But then you get on a bus and you go across the street. Yeah. So uh, first you sit through a little video presentation, which uh, frankly, I feel could be a little updated. Elvis, if your people are listening, have them call me. I swear to God, I could help you out. Um, <laughs> that thing was somewhat dated. It was agreed. It uh, should be especially after seeing the recent Elvis movie, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about in a second. But when we got on the bus and started crossing that street, because you can only get to the Graceland Mansion via their buses, uh, I was pretty excited. So I was too. I'm not going to lie. Like Elvis has been a zeitgeist for me, especially like as a little redneck kid growing up in Ohio, you know, um, I, I mean, he's Look, just my huge. family had Elvis on black velvet, like, yeah. you know, my extended family. Yeah. It was like the whole thing back yeah. then. So in the seventies, uh, so, uh, we got to the mansion, took a few photos of us outside and then we got inside and immediately it's kind of, I don't know, you have to explain cause you know, interior decoration way more than I do. Talk about the first room. The first room was okay. Was it all pink? I got to remember the colors because every room had a different color. Like it was amazing. Like um, I think the blue room was the dining room and maybe the first room was the pink room. Uh, yeah. It's the one where he had his grandma, his photo of his mom and his yeah, dad and, and the, the piano. And the piano. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just beautiful. I, I mean, he was ahead of his time. And I know that that is things that those are words that have been used about him before, but he truly was. And if you see the inside of his home, he decorated his house himself. I mean, obviously he had someone come in and, and, and help him, but yeah, present he, ideas, but he, no, it was, it was him. Like he picked the colors. He picked the, he, he picked like the theme of each room and it was incredible. Like he was just light years ahead of everyone in style, in music yeah, he was really avant-garde. I mean, yeah, uh, avant-garde is the perfect rings word. of you know more modernly we would know uh, like what we think of Prince. Oh yeah, 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 know? yeah. He wasn't. He was like that. He was an. He was such an innovator. So his house, every room had a theme. He even had a jungle room, and and the rooms like some of them just had fabric on the walls. There was no paint, no wallpaper, and the fabric was incredible. Yeah, the billiard room was pretty oh, crazy. Um, just, just It was like folded fabric origami. I have no way to explain it. Yeah. What is it? Like it was all ridged no, right. and ruffled or whatever on the top, but it was like- You said really, it right. Really like- ironed pleated lines of all these different colors. The billiard room was insane. Like I can't imagine like hooping and hollering it down there with him, you know? Oh my gosh. It must've been like the times uh, in that house, you know? And even the TV room, like he oh, had that was orange and like- The, the blue and yellow room. Oh, uh, it was just, yeah. there was, I, I was it yellow? Cause I, I, I knew it there was, was a room that had like oranges and stuff like that. But again- That was a jungle room. Okay. Um, it was just very cool. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we got to go through the upstairs. You can't go, no, you, you can't go upstairs. go upstairs to the suite or anything like that. So we walked in 
to the uh, bedrooms. We saw his sort of commemorative or his memorial room where he had like photos of his family and all that. And it was a very white sort of room. And then, uh, like you said, uh, we got to see the kitchen. I, the most fascinating part, honestly, was just looking at all of the uh, appliances and uh, nothing's been touched on that first floor. Yeah. It was just like, uh, wow, it was a time machine. And, you know, I grew up poor, so it's like my family could never afford those things, but it was like devices I had seen at, you know, rich people's houses or, or, you know, in movies or what have you. And just to see it there, like he was always cutting edge with the technology. If they came out, if, you know, RCA came out with a new television, he had it. You know, and if you think about it, like in the kitchen, he had um, a TV with cameras, like the property. Like he he yeah. he had a um, a surveillance system, basically. And yeah. what year would this have been? Like in the early '60s, he had a surveillance system. Like I I, I mean, that's something that like you know the FBI had or like the CIA and then, you know, Elvis has it. Yeah, it's kind of sure. crazy. Nobody had a surveillance system kind of like, you know, they have in prisons, but it was in his house. <laughs> prisons. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That paints the picture. Yeah, like when every, the- I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Prisons. Um, legend has it. There's one person they caught on those cameras jumping the fence. Do you know who that person was? Um, who? Bruce Springsteen. No, I don't believe you. I swear to God, it's a story. Like Bruce Springsteen actually jumped the fence trying to like meet Elvis. Oh. Back in the okay. early mid 70s. Bruce is like listening. That. He has to tell us if that's true. But legend has it that Elvis wasn't there that day and security promptly escorted him out. So oh my obviously gosh. they found him. But isn't that a crazy story? It kind of, it it is, but it's not because he had such an impact on so many people. So it's like it is surprising that Bruce Springsteen may have done that, but it's kind of not either because he was a living legend. And um, I don't know, Bruce Springsteen, If at the time, if it was in the 70s, he could have just rang the doorbell and said, I'm Bruce Springsteen. Well, he couldn't get through the gate. That was He could have rang the gate and said, I'm Bruce Springsteen. I want to see Elvis. I don't think he was Bruce Springsteen at the time. Oh, uh, okay. As we know him. Oh, all right. But I, <laughs> I think, point. okay, but I think there were probably many people who jumped the fence. It just happened to be they didn't turn out to be as famous as Bruce Springsteen. Not all of them ended up being Bruce Springsteen. I think you're right. Yeah. And so then uh, you go upstairs and you see the jungle room. It's got like fake plastic plants and it's very, uh, the carpet's green. And right? Yeah, the carpet, the was, carpet green, was green. And local. then there was like tiki furniture or whatever. And like, um, like the print in the jungle room looked like a jungle. It was green and like animal prints. And it was just, uh, it was really, really just uh, very, it was a feast for the eyes. Really, that's what it was. It was a feast yeah. for the eyes. And so I read up on the jungle room just because, you know, I, there was a song, I think his name was Mark Cohen or something like that. He wrote a song called Walking in Memphis and he talks about pretty little thing waiting for the king down in the jungle room and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I was, you know, the jungle room is just so like the thing to see when you're at Graceland, everybody wants to see it. So in my travels on the interweb, um, I, uh, came across this story and I, I didn't realize that his last album, his record label actually allowed him, like they wanted him to produce another album. And it was at a time where, uh, we all sort of know how it ends for Elvis, right? I'm not spoiling anything where his drug abuse had taken over and his alcoholism and everything. And, uh, he just wasn't in a good place, but they wanted another album for him. So they actually allowed him to set a studio up in the jungle room. So his last album was actually recorded in that room. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Uh, so then after that, we went out to the back. They show you sort of uh, where uh, the garage and his office. He had these huge metal desks back there, more TVs. Yeah. He loved television. He had a racquetball court. Do you remember that? He did have a racquetball court. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, walking from one sort of small building to the other on the complex, you could just see this. He loved horses. So mm-hmm. he had all these yes. horses there. It was really, I mean, overall it was a great, and then you get to the end and that's where you see like where he's buried. I think both of his parents are there yep. and there's a memorial to his twin brother, which, you know, I, I had totally forgotten about. He was the second one born, but they didn't know he was coming. And they were so distraught when his brother came out because he was stillborn. Oh. And they buried him in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's right. Where Elvis was born. So Elvis was born in Tupelo Mm -hmm. and he was the second twin to come out. And um, uh, so I think his brother's name is Aaron or something like that. But they have a a marker there as well, even though his brother's buried in Tupelo. Yeah, right. He's buried in Tupelo. But then they also have... A memorial for Lisa Marie's son. I believe his name is Ashley. Yeah. He he's actually buried there. Yeah. His yeah. body is there. So it's like Elvis, it's his parents, it's um the memorial to his brother, it's his grandson. They're buried there. So you yeah. you can actually view it and you know. It's not really a mausoleum because it's outside. No, it's What's not. it called? I mean, it's, it's like a, a garden. It's the it's, meditation garden. Yep. That's, that's right. what it's called. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So um anyway, seeing that and just but uh, you know, in general, just being there and feeling the vibe and everything. Um it not just took me back to my childhood, but it actually reminded me of a memory. I don't know if I I'm pretty sure I told you this, but I doubt you remember it. Um, but just like Denise wants to throw herself off of cliffs. Uh, I am very claustrophobic and I turn into like, you know, a cornered rat when I'm in closed spaces. Um, I just don't like being constricted in any way, shape or form. And that stems from the night that Elvis died. I didn't know, or maybe it was the night he was being buried and it was televised. I forget. Uh, but I saw it on the news and I just remember my mother crying, like just so like distraught. So many people were unhappy. Um, he was the king of rock and roll, you know? And so, uh, but for whatever reason, it gave me a dream that night that I was buried alive, which is insane. Uh, but ever since then I've been claustrophobic dream when you were seven years old that you were buried alive. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't understand, like I had never Holy seen, um, I really had never been to a funeral in my family until I was late teens, early 20s, something like that. So I had no reference point for a coffin. Like I'd seen them in cartoons. So the first coffin you ever saw was Elvis' Was them carrying his coffin, yeah. To, in my memory. Okay, so in your dream, did you die? I don't know. I woke up. I was... I probably wet the bed. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Because they say no if you die in your dream, you die. So that's why I'm just curious. Like, Oh, well, maybe I died that night. I but then know. you're alive. So that really proves the point that it's not true. Unless we're living in a metaverse. That could be. Which plays into all sort of Elvis, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, UFO theories. For sure. Uh, JFK, all that. So anyway, we're going to move away from that topic. But um, so no, uh, but it did remind me like my first, my first memory of Elvis was not that, but my first memory of death was Elvis's death. So that's crazy. I cannot believe the first time you saw a coffin was Elvis's coffin. Yeah. I mean, I had seen them maybe in TV shows or something. I don't know. My parents were the worst. They made me go to open casket funerals. Oh yeah. Well, when you I live was in like Chicago. Five. People were dying all the time. 
it's child abuse. I got to tell you, an open <laughs> casket funeral when you're five. No. That's nuts. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't have to deal with that until I was like into my, like I said, I was probably like 20 years old before I went to my first funeral. Oh my gosh, so. that is crazy. Okay, yeah. so so Elvis made you claustrophobic. Yes, it's all his fault. Uh, but I love his music. What's your favorite Elvis song? Well, you were just playing Burning Love. I love that song. And I have to say, that is such a great song. I like Love Me Tender. You do? I do. Oh, that's nice. Um, I don't know. I mean, Jailhouse Rock is great. Um, oh, I, I, I'm a sucker for all of his hits. I mean, honestly, whenever, like, you know, like we've been at my brother's house and we're playing all kinds of music and whenever his, his song of his comes up, it's like, yeah. it brings you back. And um, they're really, they are timeless in so many ways. So um yeah, I don't I, I I named I named a few. What do you like? What are your favorites? I like a little less conversation. That's like Aww. my favorite song. I was actually playing that earlier today you as are. well. I love that song. I was playing it last week. Uh I I always like the song, but going to the El- the recent Elvis movie by Boz Lerman, right? Mm-hmm. Boz Lerman. Yep. I mean that song is really showcased. It really is showcased. And uh I will say we're not really doing mu- movie reviews, but we don't really do restaurant <laughs> reviews either. And we talk <laughs> we about that talk shit about all that. the time on uh-huh. the show. So uh but let me just say that movie, uh from a fan standpoint, or just I mean, our girls enjoyed that movie and they yep. knew really nothing about Elvis because, yeah. you know, if an Elvis song ever came on in our house, there's so much melodic that's the thing the melodies behind all of his tunes are so catchy and um you just can't help but sing the words for like the rest of the day but it wasn't really anything we had ever introduced our kids to horrible parents it's so weird because we're both music lovers yeah but like for some reason we never introduced like the beatles or elvis or even led zeppelin you don't like the beatles so i don't it's true but they are Again, innovators. They are the, I think, the basis of rock and roll, really. Yeah. I mean, so for us not to expose them to it is a form of child abuse. Well, they know Led Zeppelin. I mean, I've introduced them to Led Zeppelin and- uh, like ACDC and stuff okay, like I that. Know, but Nirvana. That's not the same so, but it's like all more recent. as Elvis. So are no. we talking about music that's I mean, in we, Elvis' time. We definitely timeline. introduced them to music that we grew up on. It is true, but really we should have introduced them to the classics and yeah. we didn't. So Elvis was one of them that we never played in the house. I, I mean, know. I mean, Ellie was doing drums uh, with, you know, songs by Rage Against the Machine at five, but she doesn't know an Elvis song. I, I We've done her a, a huge disservice. Yeah. We have. Sorry. She probably would have picked them up a little faster because they're simpler tunes, but they're so good and so catchy. So uh, no wonder he had so many hits over the years. But uh, going back to the movie, I mean, I was just so impressed, especially I feel like maybe two thirds of the way in it sags a little and it sags because everybody knows how it ends, I right? Know, yes. Which is, you know, unfortunate. I didn't know that he had never traveled the world. I didn't know he had never left the United States I soil. I didn't know that. So. I always wondered as a young person why he did Vegas because family, extended family were huge fans of Elvis. And when I was a young girl, I would always hear them say, why is he still doing Vegas? Why? Like, he's too good for that. And then, you know, he became the butt of so many jokes about like playing Vegas. It was like, you know, he, like enough of that. Like, okay, I equate Elvis in Vegas to an athlete who plays in his sport too long. It takes away the credibility, the respect, the admiration people have when you haven't just said, okay, it's time for me to, you know, I don't know, not retire, but he shouldn't have continued to do Vegas. But the movie 
through the movie, you learned why he did. And it was such a sad story. You know what's surprising is that um, after watching the movie and going to Graceland was learning that um, the family didn't really hate Colonel Parker. I guess at Elvis's like 10 or 20 year anniversary, there was a speech given by Lisa Marie and she like had kind things to say about the Colonel. And I don't know, to me, that was just shocking because from what you learned in the movie was that he really did enslave Elvis and he was going to sue him or, or you know, for a million dollars. And back then a million dollars is like $20 million right now. Um, I don't know. It's just a sad story. It was really, I mean, he he's just such a talent. For, um, he used him. For simplification, he basically caught Elvis in a contractual loophole that prevented Elvis from traveling without uh also compensating, I think it was Colonel Parker and the record label. And I don't know. There was something, all, all it was something crazy. Like he would owe all this money. No, what it was is you actually have that wrong. So what it was, was that Colonel Parker submitted a bill to Elvis for all the years that he worked for him and felt like he wasn't properly compensated. So for oh, Elvis yeah. to leave him as a manager, he would have owed him a million dollars. And then to get out of his contract, um, you know, with Vegas, I think he would have had to pay Colonel Parker's gambling debt. I mean, it was just an astronomical yeah, there amount. There was something, um, that's right. He didn't necessarily want to get rid of Colonel Parker, but- He did. Colonel, Are no, you kidding? Cr- no, Colonel Parker wasn't allowed to travel overseas because- no, some extradition law. But he tried to get rid of Colonel Parker. And when he did, that's when Colonel Parker, remember they got in the car and they were about right. to leave Vegas and, and Colonel arguing, Parker like, gave him a million dollar like tab and said, okay, here you go. Yeah, totally. See you in court. Anyway, that was the back half of the movie. And that's that's not the part of Elvis that anybody really wants to remember. It's just sad <laughs> though. It was sad, but I swear to God, the first 45 minutes of the movie is the best music video you will ever see in your life. I love the way that they cut back and forth from Elvis performing all the way back to like Tupelo, Mississippi, where he was starting out and Little Richard was there and all these other uh, characters along the way that were real people. And, and that influenced him and yeah, his music. Yeah, totally. And, and so, then they inter like intercut modern music with the movie, uh, you know, rap music. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, but back to Graceland. Back okay, to Graceland. So um, was it everything you thought it was going to be? Um, it was better. I think it's easy when the person who is the driving force behind the all the finances in a family uh, suddenly expires. I think it's easy for the estate to fall into disrepair. I have a tremendous amount of respect for what they did to preserve not just uh, you know, his music or his catalog, but also like his legacy and the house itself, like from, you know, every square inch of it, it was like, wow, better it was than- better. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just found out so many other cool things that I didn't know. I actually knew a lot about his life because I'd always been, you know, I'm into pop culture. So uh, even as a teenager, I would read stuff about, you know, uh, him and the divorce and, you know, Lisa Marie. And I always kind of like would read about her too, when she came up like her many marriages and this and that. Um, so watching the movie, uh, didn't probably fill in as many blanks for me as it did you, because I I knew a lot about him, but being at the home, just, it really was incredible. It, it, it was just, I'll always remember it. Like people who've said to me, Oh, it's an amazing tour. Um, I get it now. 
I get why they loved it. Uh, all the people that he actually interacted with when he was young that are like actual names. You I know, know that that's crazy. Like I didn't know that, you know, when, until I saw the movie, I was like, okay, like, that I didn't know. You know, either, most but... of those people are, he's accused of actually ripping off. You it know is what true. I mean? Yeah. Meanwhile, they were all performing together at some of the same venues. Yeah. So. I don't know necessarily if that's counting as ripping off so much as it's, it's considered influencing. Yeah, it was kind of part of the movement. Yeah, when you're all playing that same style of music, yeah. I don't know if it's really truly a ripoff or just, um, you know, I'm sure there were artists that were influenced by him as well during that time. There's no, there's no one like Elvis though. Like you can, no. you can try. There's like literally no one that's as talented and original. No, he got arrested for playing his music. I mean, you know, he got, I mean, and we've known other groups that have done that over the years, obviously, or over the decades, but um, he actually had to go into the army to avoid, you know, staying in trouble with the law. It's you true. Know? And yeah. so, and then he came back and- That his, became a huge movie star. He did. His movies are iconic and stuff, but you know, they were really corny and he was really feeling that. It was in his, I think it was, I think the, that special that they did on TV um, where the new producers were brought in along with the colonel who wasn't happy about yeah, it or yeah. whatever. But um, I think it was for NBC and I think it was in 1968 and it was a special they did and it just like totally exploded musically, put him back on the map. Like he was a serious musician again. He wasn't just somebody who had a bunch of great songs and then went off to be a movie star. So, you know. Are you sure of that date? Because that seems like... I thought it was more in the 70s. Um, I don't know. I think it was 68 is what I read, but maybe I'm okay. wrong. All right. Anyway. You could be wrong. Um, you could be wrong. Doubt it. Moving on to stuff we actually know. Uh, <laughs> let's say that uh, Germantown Commissary and Graceland appear, other than Beale Street, which we did not visit, oh, I which know. I know was kind of a crime. Um, but we did have to pick up the dog before 6 p.m. <laughs> so, yeah, and that tour took a while. It did, yeah. Um, we took our time. We saw all of his cars and all that. We took our time in the memorabilia and going into the airplane. The planes were great. The Lisa Marie, oh my gosh, was so great. Um, it, again, an innovator. Boardroom. Yeah, yeah he had the boardroom, his own makeup studio in there. Everything was crazy. So it was great. Um, but anyway, we had to get back. There was no Beale Street in the cars for us that day. And- you wanted to stop at a grocery store. I did. And you said nope. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is uh people, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we weren't. Yeah. Um we avoided New Orleans because we said, well, we have too much gear in the car. I have cameras, I have all that stuff, and we have the dog, and we have to park in a parking um structure. And make sure that the hotel is safe in a safe area and all that other stuff. And boom, where do we go instead? Memphis. And guess what Memphis is, hun, in, in relation to New Orleans? Tell me. Even more dangerous. It's uh, on several um, ranking sites. It's the number one most dangerous city in the United States. So, Wow, that's crazy because I would think it would be New York or Detroit. I did not think it was Memphis. It actually battles with Detroit, Baltimore, New Orleans. I always forget about Baltimore. I don't know why. Yeah, Baltimore. It's pretty dangerous. Um, so uh, I knew after doing a quick little search on bestplaces.net, I, you know, I wanted to know like what are the best places to live around Memphis? And 
uh, quickly things kept coming up like, do not move to Memphis, do not move to Memphis, do not move to Memphis. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And at the time we were driving around Germantown and it was like, this place looks great. Yep. Like what the hell's And I thought maybe we could Memphis? spend the night. And he was like, oh no, we can't spend the night here. No, yeah. After uh, visiting three or four sites, uh, I decided we will not be staying here tonight. I know. I remember you saying something. Okay. I'm learning just now that it's the most dangerous city in the United States that I didn't know. But when we were in Memphis, I remember you saying something along the lines of, because when we travel, James will give me little stats about the place like, oh, like, you know, property crime is like only 25% here. But um, personal crime is, you know, maybe 60%. So when we were in Memphis, he goes, he goes, oh, he's like, property crime is, is, um, he goes, personal crime is 80%. And I said, 80%. 80%. So you have an 80% chance of getting robbed. 85.7 to be exact. Go on. So you have an 85.7% chance of getting robbed walking down the street. So then I said to him, what about being in your house, like property crime? And he goes- 81.1. So you have just as much of a chance as being robbed in your house as you do outside of your house if you live in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- that's crazy. A lot of crime in Memphis. A lot of crime. Um, I want to do a deep dive. I printed some notes. Let me grab them real quick. Okay. Printed a lot of notes. Oh, you know what? Actually, though, um, I don't want to be ruffling paper. It's bad for the podcast. So I'm going to step out for a second okay. and get the laptop, and Denise is going to sing you Elvis songs. Oh, I'm a really good singer. Or at least tell them an Elvis story. I'm a really good singer. Okay, so let me think about... A good Elvis story. Hmm. I don't know. Like when Fill I the space, huh? Fill the space. Oh, stop it. It I can usually I'm I'm very talkative. But then when you're put on the spot, you're not quite as talkative. Um, okay, so Elvis. What I remember of Elvis growing up was all the crazy girls that would scream at his concerts and like all my cousins that like would go crazy about like, you know, how handsome he was and this and that. And, you know, I was a young girl. So I was like, okay, didn't really think put much thought into it. But then I got to tell you, when you go to Graceland and you see all the photos of him with like Priscilla and Lisa Marie and like performing on stage, my goodness, he was beautiful. And then also just watching the movie, um, that actor was, you know, his resemblance was so um, uncanny. And uh, it just, yeah, he, so he was, he was, he literally had it all. He had talent, he had beauty, and he had brains. Just like James. Nice segue. (laughs) I'm back. How'd you do? I think I did okay. Just okay? Yeah, just okay. okay. Why is the laptop better and not just the papers? Because you can hear all the papers rustling. It just trying to give our listeners the best podcast experience, hon. All right, there you go. You're looking great. My goodness. Okay, let's jump into some factoids, people, about Memphis. Uh, First off, uh, on several different sites across the internet, uh, Memphis is usually appearing in the top five in terms of worst crime in the country. Which is really sad because yeah, that is I would never have thought that. I just wouldn't have. I mean, there's so many other cities that I think are 
like Laredo, Texas. How does it beat Laredo, Texas? Well, That's like I was going to ask you. Um, so when I was reading off some of these stats to you, as I'm futzing with this, um, you uh, recall being like feeling not particularly safe in Los Angeles before we left. It's true. So I have talked about that with James quite a bit that like I never shared with him the last year that we were there how unsafe I felt like every time I got in my car I just thought like oh I hope like there's not a stray bullet that comes through every time my kids got in the car I was like oh I hope they don't get rear-ended and then someone pulls a gun out on them um you know just things you think about when you live in a city and it's a big one and there's plenty of crime so that's what went through my mind every single day I left my house. And Los Angeles did not appear in the top 10 on any of those. Okay. That is unbelievable. When he told me that Los Angeles was number 34 on the list of of violent crime. Yeah. How is I? And those were I couldn't even imagine living in Memphis then. But basically when you walk out the door in Memphis, you could, you could easily get robbed at that with those numbers. Yeah. So, uh, all right, everybody buckle in. I'm about to drop some wisdom on your ass. Um, bestplaces.net nationwide average for crime, violent crime is 22.7. In Memphis, it's 85.7, as we said earlier. Second only, That's- I believe, to Detroit, which is 94. So, oh, so wait, so Detroit, Detroit is leading in violent crime. There are several different sources Got and it. they measure different things, and Got I'll it. get into all that. But, okay. um, continue. Just straight up, Memphis is usually top three on all of these lists. So I bet the average is it ends up being the worst. Yeah. And um, in fact, the one I'm going to read to you in a minute says it is. Okay, then. So property crime, uh, national average is 35.4%. So obviously, property gets damaged or stolen or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, way more than humans do. Um, In Memphis, it's 81.1. So you're at a huge risk of losing your stuff or getting your stuff damaged or being robbed or what have you. Um, your car broken into, your yeah, house broken into. It's almost uh, your three, backpack stolen three, off three of your or body. Four times. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, we weren't entirely reading the uh, 85.7 factor correctly. Uh, you basically have a one in 41 chance of violent crime per neighborhoodscout.com in Memphis. So you one of one out of every 40 people, but it's still like way up there in terms of um, other cities. Memphis is also uh, ranked in the second highest homicide rate than any U.S. metro area. In 2019, there were 237 homicides reported. The number climbed to 327 in 2020. Mind you, this is during the pandemic. So I was literally just going to say, wait, L.A., New York, all those cities dropped during the pandemic, whereas Memphis went up. Yes. I wonder why. Um, That's weird. Okay. Neighborhoodscout.com has Memphis as number two worst behind Monroe, Louisiana, which I had never even heard of before. Wow. uh, As does insurancebusinessmag.com. So they have Monroe as number one and Memphis as number two? Yes, on those two sides. Okay. Um, I didn't know my. And uh, on a lot of these lists, uh, we were correct probably to still leave. Uh, to skip Louisiana for the moment because Shreveport, Monroe, New Orleans, all these cities pop up. Like there are some lists that have four places in Louisiana in the top 10. So yeah, pretty scary. So uh, according to a Fox 13, this is the local channel in Memphis uh, news report from July 15th, 
of this year, of this year, over 3,000 cars had already been stolen in Memphis. Oh, wow. That's, That's a, a lot. lot of cars. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, for as little uh, as we uh, felt unsafe in Little Rock, it actually makes an appearance in the top 10 of several lists that I I would at. never have thought that because I felt pretty safe when I was in Little Rock. Is, did, didn't you? Yeah, we were walking around at night in the middle of downtown. It was like totally like, I mean, we're on the main Unless strip. Unless we're just like stupid. Yeah, we could be stupid. But I had felt that way in New Orleans like 20 years ago. I quickly recognized I had walked down the wrong street oh. in New Orleans and um, I had n- I didn't have that feeling at all the whole time we were in Little Rock. No, so, I didn't either. So I feel like I need to defend Little Rock a little bit there. You know what's so sad about all of this is that Tennessee is such a beautiful state. Yeah. Um, Louisiana is such a beautiful state. So those numbers really do it such a disservice. You know, people aren't going to want to visit certain areas of those states. Like we left Memphis so quickly. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, I'm sure it's Not safe get to robbed. say that. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> if you know the tourist spots and you want to stay in Memphis for a few nights or whatever and check out Beale Street and enjoy the music and all that other stuff, you're walking back to your place, um, you're, wherever you're staying, if it's on the main drag there, um, I'm sure you're totally fine. Um, a lot of places that I looked on the internet said, well, you know, as long as you stay in the neighborhoods, they're nice. But then, you know, on Reddit, they were like, yeah, no, don't listen to that. Like, seriously, <laughs> watch out. So, um, but uh, I did find, you know, as I was doing a deep dive on Memphis, uh, I don't want to just pick on Memphis. Uh, there are cities that you and I would never suspect are starting to creep up on some of these ranking lists really? th- that you would never, ever think of. Okay, um, so tell me. Terre Haute, <laughs> Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Get out of here. South Bend, Indiana. South. Okay, South that's Bend. Where I Notre, could, I know. That's where Notre Dame is, right? It's No. Oh, Notre Dame is in South Bend. I'm thinking Purdue. Uh, wow. Okay. God, so many people from Chicago moved to South Bend. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, that it maybe explains it. <laughs> that could very well explain it. Anyway, uh, speaking of Illinois, Rockford, Illinois is actually making an appearance on several top 10 lists now. I, you know what, though? That's not that uncommon. Like, if you live if you live in Chicago- I don't like, even know where that is in relation nobody to Nobody really goes to Rockford, so- yeah, I guess it kind of like, all right. Well, I'm not, okay, that's not like a huge surprise. Terre Haute is, I don't know what the heck's going on in Terre Haute. <laughs> it's got to be a meth issue oh, or something. You know what? Opioids. Yep, there you go. It's got to um, be a drug issue. I mean, when you're sure. talking about, pri- that, that, those may have come, I just mm. jotted them down as quick notes. Uh, those may have come from like property crime lists that I was looking at. Um, crime is crime. Those I mean, two, you know? yeah, uh, but those two are certainly not making like top ten violent crime lists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you're right. Okay, crime isn't crime. You're right. Yeah. I'd rather have my house broken into than being murdered. Yeah, I think most people would agree with you. Thanks. Rockford, Illinois makes the appearance, but I guess uh, obviously, uh, not obviously, but evidently, it has a huge gangs and guns problem. Rockford. Yeah. Like I know nothing har- about it. Okay, it look, sounds to me I, like sorry. a Youngstown, and, Ohio yeah, type gangs thing. and guns. Like you're hard if you're living in Rockford. Like I don't even I don't know. know where, how, like paint the picture. South what is side Rockford? of Chicago is hard. Like Rockford. Like how much of a badass are you if you're in a gang in Rockford, Illinois? But nobody has any point of reference unless you know where Rockford is. I don't know <laughs> what they're talking about. What do you know about Rockford? 
all I remember Rockford, it's kind of industrial. Like that's all I really know about it. So it's it. an old industrial town that just <laughs> didn't last, didn't make the turn. Like Erie, it's Pennsylvania like or Youngstown, yeah, Ohio. Like it's nothing. It's like it, from, yeah, look, I am from Chicago. So no one really even gives Rockford a second glance. It's like, okay, whatever. Rockford, I think I have to even, I should know this. Where do the gangs hide if there's nothing there? Well, obviously they're in Rockford. Do they now. have buildings there? I know. Is it farm country? I have no oh, idea no, what Rockford's it's, like. It's a city. It's not okay. farm country. As far okay. as I, I mean, as what I remember of it, it's more industrial. So my guess is it's more like a Youngstown and um, Youngstown, Ohio. And um, no, I mean, there might be some farm area. I don't know. Like it's been so long since someone mentioned Rockford to me and I'm like 53 now. I have no idea. Obviously it's a problem. Anyway, those are some- I can tell you what Rockford was when I was a kid, but it's not that place now. Um. Okay. Well, um, it makes an appearance on several lists. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. People are going hard in Rockford. Okay. They are for sure. Uh, Safewise.com has, uh, this is their top 10 list. Memphis, Tennessee, Anchorage, Alaska what appears the on heck so is many going lists. on in Anchorage? Yeah. Are you kidding me? There's like 10 people that live there. Well, it's actually more than that. I think it's like 600,000 or something. Maybe I'm wrong. What are they so angry about? No, well, seriously. Like what, what Anchorage, angry. Alaska? Like why is there so much crime there? Is it drugs? Like it's got to be because like drugs always leads to crime. And Anchorage, no one ever heard of Anchorage. Like what? You knew. 730,000 people. Okay, more than 10. So it's actually more than, um, it's actually more than a lot of cities. I can't believe they have a crime issue. Yep. I bet do. if you looked up like their drug problem, it'd probably be quite high. Let's see. Crime in Anchorage. Okay, here we go. But uh, they have a meth problem. I bet you they do. Anchorage violent crime is 50.9. Again, reminding everyone, uh, the U.S. average is 22.7. Anchorage property crime is 61.8. The U.S. average is 35. So wow. pretty high, pretty high for a that place in Alaska. really high. Anyway, moving on from Anchorage, Alaska, Albuquerque, New Mexico. That we knew. We yeah. already knew that. That was, yeah. we've already, yeah. Lubbock, Texas. You know what? Jimmy told me Lubbock was like not a good place. He Jimmy. just told me lately, like when I was on the phone with him, he was like, oh, you don't want to go to Lubbock. It's a okay. Our friend Jimmy, for all you listeners out there who yeah. have no idea who Jimmy is. They know Jimmy now. Uh, they do. Uh, Little Rock, Shreveport, Bakersfield, California. Oh, yeah. No I would agree with Bakersfield. That's no. like total like meth, meth, head. meth mm -hmm. cradle. Mm -hmm. uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. One of my favorite, one of my top five favorite places Wait. to visit. What tell me right now what it is? Is it property crime? It's number or? eight. I don't know. I don't have it oh, on this particular one. I forget. I want to know uh, what that is. Here's here's okay. how they did it. Uh, well, let me finish the other two: Springfield, Missouri, and Corpus Christi, Texas, where our sweet oldest little daughter lives. Mm -hmm. Sweet little daughter. Yeah, we have her in a high uh, crime area. So what you're telling me is you got this from a website that's listing the the cities that have the highest crime in general. Different rankings measure different things. Like when we get to Forbes, they measure the cost of crime. Oh. How much money it costs then, each yeah. city to deal with crime. So um uh this particular one, which again is from safewise.com, when looking at crime rates and trends across the most populated areas of the US, we decided it made more sense to compare metropolitan statistical areas, MSAs, that means Dallas. MSAs include major anchor cities. So think uh, Dallas plus Fort Worth. So they put those two together? Yes, for the sake of argument, because it's all the same area. 
So then uh, safesmartliving.com has one based on FBI database reports. So top 10 cities on that site with the highest burglary rates. Number one, Bakersfield, California. Number two, Vallejo, California. Lubbock, Texas. Memphis, Tennessee is number four. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Oh, that's crazy because we liked it there. We did. Lafayette, Louisiana. Springfield, Missouri, making another appearance. Spartanburg, South Carolina, which we had not heard of on any. I had not seen. And then Shreveport again, uh, uh, Louisiana. Top 10 cities with the highest violent crime rates. Anchorage, Alaska, number one on this list. Wow. Memphis, number two. Albuquerque, number three. Detroit, number four. That's the first huge city we've had on any of these lists, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that would be probably the city everybody would expect first. They would expect Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, and then fill in the blank after that. So not true. So all you people living in the metropolitan areas where we just ditched. Maybe you're safe. Yeah, maybe. Lubbock, Texas, Stockton, California. That one, I mean, I remember that since college days, like Stockton, yeah, Stockton's Stockton, always Camden, New Jersey, Youngstown, Ohio. Those were always like on the per, yeah. top five murder per capita lists. Um, Little Rock, Arkansas, number seven, Wichita, Kansas, Corpus Christi, Texas, making another appearance, Gainesville, Florida. It's the high, one of the highest murder rates is in Gainesville, Florida. That's Ranks a college 10th. town. Yeah. What's going on there? Uh, that was, oh no, that was highest violent crime rates. Okay. Now we're getting into murder. Okay. Ready to do some murking? Okay, let me just guess. Let me just do this. Okay, so highest murder. Well, it's got to be Memphis because you had violent crimes at like 80%. So I'm saying Memphis is number one, Detroit is number two. But remember, <laughs> I told you uh, Memphis, when I was reading off the stats, uh, Detroit actually had a factor of 94 so it's actually Detroit and then Memphis oh, okay. and then New Orleans. So really, we tried to avoid New Orleans and we ended wow. up going to Memphis instead. City. I know, but we didn't stay the night at Memphis. <laughs> yeah, yes. we didn't. It's fine. Um, Baltimore, Baton Rouge, Anchorage again, Shreveport again, Albuquerque again, Little Rock again, and now Greens- Greensboro, High Point, North Carolina, which is just huh. I, so many of these lists have like those one or two anomalies, and it really just comes down to whatever it was they were measuring, right? Yeah. So true. Um, they're actually today, when as I was recording this episode, if you guys go to Atlantic.com and do a search for an article called The Murders in Memphis Aren't Stopping. It was so timely. Um, It was written by David A. Graham. And I'm just going to take you through some of that stuff quickly to bring it back to Memphis. Jim Strickland was the first white mayor in 24 years. He has been there since 2015. Uh, Launched a program called Reimagining Policing after the 2020 nationwide protests that went on across the country Mm -hmm. after the George Floyd uh, murder. Uh, But by the time the report came out in 2021, violent crime had already risen. And not much of the report's recommendations were ever introduced, like, uh, you know, implemented. Um, This mirrors actually what happened in San Francisco somewhat. Uh, The famously liberal city, this was just recently in the news, and one of the, like, there was a recall election for their city DA, uh, whose name was Chesa Bodin, Boudin, Bodin, I don't know. I forget how to say it. Did he get recalled? Yeah. Yeah, he did. That never happens. You know that, right? Oh, no. Well- it's happened more in our, I feel like it happens a lot more nowadays than it did. It seems when we extremely were, when hard we to do. It is. Uh, the famously liberal city had a 
huge outpouring of support for alternative or defunding of policing. But when crime rates rose so dramatically in 2021 and 2022, they ousted this DA who was supposed to be this transformative person. But in the end, he didn't last very long. Um, The side note is after ousting Boudin, the traffic stops in San Francisco rose by 30% and public order stops rose by 20%. But San Franciscans have never actually made more public order phone calls to police. So the hint is that the ouster of this divisive DA alone, you know, the cops hated him, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So just his mere ouster was enough to spark the police into making random stops, like not random stops, but, you know, obviously um, instigated stops. Make more of a police presence. Yeah, exactly. This is all part of an editorial blog at talkingpointsmemo.com by a guy called Josh Marshall. If you're not familiar with him, I've been reading him for years and I actually happen to love his podcast. He does with Kate Riga, one of the other staffers there. Um, It's also Talking Points Memo uh, podcast. Uh, I like it because he's pretty honest about exactly what kind of criminals the Republicans are and how absolutely ineffective Democrats are in dealing with them. So they both suck. Yeah, exactly. So um, going back to Memphis, they've had this new police chief now that the mayor appointed. So this mayor that was uh, elected in 2015 is still there. Uh, He uh, brought in a new police chief uh, last year whose focus has been on uh, Memphis Police Department recruitment. Okay. Signs up all over the city. I don't know if you remember seeing them. I saw three. I actually do. Yeah, Yeah. I saw three while we were there. We're hiring. Um, Yep. And in a poll from 2020, despite all the talk about defunding police and all that other stuff that uh, especially right-wing media has used as a boogeyman into not electing Democratic officials, eight in 10 people, in eight, eight in 10 Memphians uh, overwhelmingly agreed in a poll with this strategy to hire more police officers. Okay. So- um, so we'll see what happens there because right now Memphis spends $276 million on policing um, and it's among the highest rates for a city of its size. So wow. they have all that crime and they're number one despite oh, all that money. So that's crazy. that kind of stinks of corruption a little bit, uh, but yeah. I don't know. I don't and not just that. I mean, you know, then you can go into like, well, there's so much poverty there. So yeah, there is. You can You can have a police force that's, you know- 500 million um crime is caused by so many factors that i mean unless people are making money and food is being put on the table um i don't know no one's scared to steal if they're hungry um, yeah. it doesn't matter how many cops you have out there um that's could i mean that's obviously some of the problems poverty and the drugs yeah Clearly, because despite all the plans his mayor has yeah, had, right. reimagining crime, policing, crime new chief, uh, all that money, and even 2,000 new cameras installed around the city called Sky Cop. It's just been a boondoggle in terms of money. and Wow. Yeah. Um, violent crime has actually risen almost every year while this mayor has been in office since Holy 2015. Cow. Why is he still in office then? He he's He's not putting a plan in place for people like he's putting a plan in place for military and it's a military city military zone what you're saying there's cameras there's more cops there's a better well a a different police chief but like the people need help well i mean uh i don't need the mayor like is not 
whatever. I mean, I don't no, live let's there. bring it back I don't to there, let's bring so. it back to Garcetti in Los Angeles because that's what we're like. That's a machine that we're a little more oh, familiar. But with. he took money away from the police department. He did the complete opposite. He didn't do well, the city anything. council. The, the city council did. They tried I, to do that. Yes, yeah. but in he um, he was fine with it. Well, he, he, he just sort of let everything happen as it happened. So we still gave him a lot of money. In his case, I think it's probably more um, mismanagement. Um, I don't know. I, you know, unless there's some, but I, it, between him, this mayor in Memphis, um, it gives you the impression that either there's a tremendous degree of corruption or there's a tremendous degree of uh, red tape and mismanagement. Uh, because that money's going somewhere. Like two hundred seventy-six million is a lot of money for a city of Memphis size. It's yeah, that's true. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. That's half of LA's budget, and they have a I'm third of the surprised people. He's still mayor. I can't believe it. But okay. Yeah. It's so crazy. basically, Memphis like hit every single list. Memphis hit almost every single list, and then actually one that I left out. It wasn't in some of the other ones I read, but one that comes up so frequently, and in fact is number one in a lot of uh, rankings, is St. Louis, Missouri. Really? Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of lists. And even on lists where like so St. Louis makes uh, number one and then Kansas City will be number eight. So it just, again, you know. It was just what I would not expect that. And then uh, there was one that I wanted to point out uh, just real quickly. With I know we've gone down a rabbit hole with this, but uh, For bit. Forbes cost of crime ranking uh, Salt, Lake, Salt Lake City jumped 26% last year. Chicago, 29%. Okay. New Orleans 40 and Seattle 42. So basically oh. it means that wow. the crime, when someone commits a crime in these cities, it financially costs more than all the other cities. So um, the, you know, I wonder if it had to do with also like Seattle jumping 42%. Um, they were really big on defunding the police also. They were. They so absolutely I, were. I, that probably has something. I think to do the with cops it. have a way of just sending a message to people and saying, "Hey, okay, you don't want us to arrest people for this or that." Um, you know, it's, why are they going to put their lives at risk? Like, it's, like it's you know, it is a deterrent to do their job. I mean, it was horrible messaging on you know, frankly, on the part of the you know, I won't, I won't even see Democrats. It was just like the extreme left wing. You know, yeah, it, um, it just made no sense. Because in, like, in Seattle, they had that that whole no military zone or whatever the hell it was called, where they, the NDZ, yeah. where they all lived. I know. Here's the thing with, oh gosh, I don't really want to go down this. I don't. But like defunding the police, in theory, the the title's terrible. But in theory, you understood what it meant. It was like okay, less police force for you know people with mental illness and more like counselors or mental illness experts. Um, on on the ground because the truth is police officers aren't equipped to handle someone with mental illness anyway and it should not be their job that's not what they Agreed. went they're they're not trained for that and they shouldn't be trained we need for that. them for so many other things and, and frankly they want to do their actual job right. instead of babysitting people who haven't been babysitted by the appropriate family members institutions Correct. whatever so the thought of defund the police was more of let's put proper professionals on the on the ground instead of having police officers do this but so it sounds great in theory right like okay if you have like mental health experts on the ground with police officers and police officers actually do their job that is not how it worked 
at all. We live in LA. We saw how it went down. People in Seattle, 42% now increase in violent crime. Cost it, of, yeah, yeah, cost of crime. Cost, cost of how much it increased 42% of how much it cost the city with uh, the increase in crime. So it clearly didn't work because did the mayor not implement the proper resources like like it fell apart somewhere because it always is great in theory like in theory you can say oh this is how it should work but actually making it work is another story altogether so in theory great let's let's let the police do their job and let's put professionals on the ground to help people who have mental illness but that did not work at all it completely failed the messaging was off from the beginning it was basically like let's partition out some public disturbances to a department that can actually handle but there never a homelessness was problem yeah they of course they weren't set up mm-hmm. and it was going to take time mm-hmm. but when you jump you know uh 10 steps forward into a slogan set that says defund the police you're an idiot i'm oh, sorry yeah. i'm never no. going to vote for I, that so. i agree with you and you know thankfully um, i come from a family of cops i totally agree with you i thought it was insane i i thought again the theory was great don't defund the police but maybe not maybe, but add another um, department that can handle uh, mental illness problems, or let's put more. Let's put. Let's do something for people who are on drugs. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, police should not be dealing with that. They just shouldn't. You know what police should be dealing with? If someone breaks in my house, I want them at my house in minutes, not me on hold and them saying, "Oh, we'll be there in an hour" because they're dealing with some homeless person. Like, they should deal with crime. That's what police are trained for. Yeah, and somebody who's just causing a public disturbance because Ugh. he's mentally ill or strung out or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like he needs other help, yeah. and I'm just, I, I am I mean, all a, for that. A shop owner who just wants the sleeping guy on his stoop to leave so he can open up for business today should not be something the police have to deal with. No, that should be somebody from like a shelter in the local area right. that comes and gets that person and brings them to a shelter. Like they should be taken care of. We have. In LA, there are plenty. There's plenty of money. There should be plenty of resources. Yeah. Now, one uh, point of reference that I want to give you is that uh, when we eventually make our way back to Oregon, we're going to be stopping in Eugene to talk to our friends, yeah, Jarrett and mm-hmm. Suzanne, yep, uh, who have lived there a long time. They left LA. They were skip towners way before we were. They sure before, were before it was cool. Mm-hmm. And um, they I did ex- it with young kids. They did, and I uh, was actually speaking with Jarrett, and he says they actually have a department like the one we're talking about now in Eugene, Oregon, where one or two representatives from one of these community departments will show up in certain, you know, when when the dispatch gives yeah, a certain call. So, and they'll be the ones who actually engage with person X before the cops are called in. There, there again, may be a cop on staff, like, you right, know, but like to that attend cop or is not oversee. the one that's like overseeing right. like a mental health problem or right. mental health call. And in a town like Eugene, I don't know how many, how many residents are there because I know the university is there. So it's quite large, but it might be more manageable. In a city like LA, a city like San Francisco, a city like Memphis, it clearly doesn't work well, because they're not putting the proper parties in place or maybe the city is too large. Well, I don't know. I mean, you can't say it doesn't work because it hasn't been implemented. So, oh, so you think it's been implemented? I don't no, know. I know. I know it's been implemented in Eugene because no, my friend told me that. I know. I'm saying I, I'm not saying cities. it's ever... It's not, it hasn't been implemented in They LA. said it was. When they defunded the police in LA, their whole thing was we're going to have mental illness professionals 
on the ground with they? the police. Have you ever seen one in a shirt? I never, never. have. Okay, never. so that's my point. It's never been implemented. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about a happier subject. The safest cities. Ah, okay, <laughs> let me guess. Okay, let me guess for the According safest- According to Insurance Business Mag per 100,000 residents. Okay, Albany, 100- New York has to be on that list. It is not. Keep guessing. Um, Asheville. Nope. Savannah. Nope. Charlotte? Nope. You're okay, guessing a couple on. in North Carolina, Wait, though. So okay, hold I, you're, on. You're guessing a few in North Carolina, so I'm just going to give you a freebie. No, no. no I'm going to give you a freebie. There's got to be one in like Wyoming. Sheridan? Uh, one, the only one in North Carolina is a place called Cary, North Carolina. C-A-R-Y. I've never heard of it, but it's one of the safest, top 10 safest. Is the Villages on there? It's not. Oh, okay. So let me enlighten you. Uh, top 10 safest cities in America. Five are in California. Wow. Torrance, Santa Clara, Glendale. Oh, I know Glendale, of course. Glendale. Uh, we know Glendale. It's in LA County. Uh-huh. Uh, when they say speed limit 25 miles per hour, they do not mean 26. They okay? do not. Uh-huh. Um, Sunnyvale and Santa Clarita. Oh, I believe Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita. For they sure. are hardcore up there as well. They, yep. don't, they don't fool around. Been, uh-huh. been to a lot of soccer games up in Santa Clarita. Any speeding tickets? No. Because I know Stop better. It. I know Stop better. It. No, I only get those in Oklahoma. Um, and Moore Park. And Moore Park. And Santa Monica and Beverly Hills. Um, <laughs> and so uh, four are in Texas. Four of the safest cities are in Texas. Yes. Is oh, Abilene? No. What? Frisco, McKinney, McAllen, and Plano. I don't know. We didn't go to any of those. No, we did not. Okay. Um, I wonder if everyone leaves their doors unlocked. No, seriously. I don't think anybody does that. Maybe. I don't know. People say they're towns. They can do that. I don't know why you would because like the drug epidemic is so rampant in the United States. Like Joey down the streets all hopped up on trucker meth now, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't leave my doors unlocked. I don't no. care. So it's like even if you you feel completely safe, that doesn't mean you're going to leave your house open. People do. For all your stuff to get robbed. People do. Well, it's, it's just stupid. It's 2022. Um. So anyway, but the big, uh, for me, the big uh, reveal there is five of them are from California, heavy blue state. Four are from Texas, heavy red state. Both have equally different ways of dealing with things, right? Yeah, that's true. And then you have North Carolina, which is a very, I know it usually trends red, but it's kind of a purpley state Mm -hmm. depending on where you're voting. Um, Torrance is kind of surprising. It was kind of surprising. Yeah. I thought that, I, like, I wasn't know. there a murder there recently? I don't know. Like, one murder okay. does not a statistic make, but- <laughs> No, um, it doesn't. I was going to say, okay, they had one murder. Anyway. Um, but Torrance is very, very busy. Uh, lots of people. I would never think of that as the safest, one of the safest areas yeah. in the United States. Wow. Well, I just learned something. Thank you. You did. You are a wealth of knowledge today. I Well, I had to break out the laptop to provide it all. But yeah, I, but you had I it all. really nerded out on all this stuff. You uh, went down a rabbit hole. I did. I just feel like, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, we wouldn't live here because it's this or we wouldn't live there because it's that. And it's like, well, let's see if the statistics back up what we're saying. And it's it doesn't. Like, we're telling people to go to Little Rock and Memphis. Well, we no, didn't. We didn't Little tell Little Rock people and to go. Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City was on that list. Yeah, and L.A. One was list. not on the list at all. I know. And I felt so unsafe in L.A. So I think that makes me a pansy. <laughs> I think that makes you an old lady because old ladies get scared when they hear I'm the news. Scared. I'm scared. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, so the, that's pretty much the wrap up on Memphis. 
we went to stop at a grocery store and Denise was like, you think we could, should just get sandwiches or something like that? And I was like, yeah. And then we started pulling the parking lot and we were like, you know what? This is a stupid idea. Like, I have <laughs> no idea where we are in this city. It's just, you know, let's get out of here. I'm sure it would have been fine. We would have got yeah. our sandwiches. You might have gotten Rob coming out. Maybe. Um, you had an 81% chance. I guess so, but that's that's not actually how you do that. We were doing that wrong, but <laughs> that's not the way so- you that's not right. the way you crunch it's, that data. It sounds right to me. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll just I mean, nobody's going to fact check us because, you know, it's not like we're authorities on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh we decided to leave Memphis after that and we knew it early on uh, that we were heading to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We did. And so tell everyone why we went to Alabama. Well, we decided uh, Tuscaloosa might be a good place to hit because uh, I think we went to Memphis on a Wednesday. We were going to try and get a hotel on the fly on the Mm -hmm. way to... Am I boring you? No, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Um, we were trying to get a hotel on the way to Tuscaloosa and uh, quickly found out that because there was a Bama game that weekend, uh, we could we were we were getting blocked out uh, we could on not. hotels. Yeah, we could not get a room to walk, to go to the Bama game. And so I'm you know, if you've been listening to our podcast, you knew that you know that James is a huge sports fan. And I know just from being with him that Alabama is a big college football community. And so um, I said to him, well, we have to go, we have to go to Alabama, like, you know, college, university and go see a game. And um, University of Alabama. Yeah. Technically correct. Okay. Yeah. That's it. And so, (laughs) and so uh, he was like, okay, but unfortunately we couldn't get a room anywhere. I did not realize that that stadium holds a hundred thousand people. And then It wasn't until we arrived that I really understood why we couldn't get a room. So when you get to Tuscaloosa, it is in the middle of nowhere. Like you hear that, you'll say, oh, this college town is in the middle of nowhere. No, no, this is really in the it middle really of nowhere. I, he was sleeping. I was driving. And I was like, I'm going to hit a deer. <laughs> I mean, looking I really out, was scared. I just saw I was going to hit everywhere. a deer. Yeah. And, and I was like, when are we going to approach this town? It was hours and hours. And then there it is. So the entire town, I think, shuts down when there's a Bama game. It was incredible. I'll let you tell the rest. Um, okay. So we crashed. Uh, yeah, for Thursday because we couldn't get a room yeah. Friday night. Well, you looked at Airbnbs, but they were all like $700 a night. Oh, easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just ludicrous. I'm not paying that much to stay in I still Dubai, think- let alone Tuscaloosa. So, But here's the thing. And we were going back and forth on it. I would have bit the bullet- and stayed and paid an exorbitant amount, exorbitant, whatever. Exorbitant. Yeah, whatever. Amount for a, a hotel room. I don't know if it was so much that we couldn't get a hotel room if they were all booked or they were like $500 a night. And he just didn't want to do it. For me, though, I'm like, when are you ever going to go to a Bama game? Like, like that's a thing. Like, this is a, it's a big college football community. When are you ever going to go? And he's never going to go. So it was dumb. He should have just, we should have just stayed. I think saving $700 was actually smart. So Okay. We but part, it's an experience. We part company there. It's an experience you're never going to have. You're I know, never- but I'm not an Alabama fan per se. But aren't like, you a college football fan? Yeah, totally. 100%. Okay, then you're not a college football fan if you left. Okay, well, it's not the mecca of college football for me. So that's the shoe in Ohio. 
But oh, um, all right. You, you paid seven hundred dollars for Ohio State. Game. I might have. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then that. Ex- okay, fine. But it's like I want to see Alabama. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's gouging. So, but whatever. I mean, the people are getting it. So if they want to get it, if you want to look, if you came down with six of your friends and University of Alabama is your alma mater, and you could all crash in an Airbnb for seven hundred yeah. bucks, it's a hundred bucks for the night. So it made yeah. total sense. It made zero sense for us on our little. I road just trip. figured that you're a big football fan, so you should enjoy it but you didn't want what are you to. saying i'm less than a man that because i didn't want to go see alabama no i'm saying football fan You're really I said sticking football to it. fan that's all i was just shocked that you didn't want to do it so okay. so you would have paid 700 dollars for xyz that you wanted that you wanted like that you thought you should see you wouldn't have done it uh, you're being a little bit of a it. hypocrite here. i gotta you think about never it. Done it honestly because like you would have said i won't do that just out of principle maybe you totally would have. I like, don't what know. Are you talking about? Like there are things that like I really would for the experience that I'm never going to have again. Um, maybe like you know you're never going to go to Alabama. You're never going to drive to Tuscaloosa in the middle of the night or day and drive hours and hours in the middle of nowhere. I know, but like the game that weekend, they were playing like Sister Mary Butter's School for the Blind or something like yeah, that. And I was okay. like, I don't like. Why am I going to pay like three thousand dollars to take you to this? Oh game? yeah, no, no, no. That that's ridiculous for sure. But I thought maybe if it was like a thousand dollars for no, tickets I mean, and the room, if then it was like, a we national championship it. game or the playoffs or the Super Bowl or some. Yeah, I'm blowing that money. There's no question. Okay. But I'm not just doing it on like a random Saturday. Yeah, when but you know that you're never going to go gonna and be see like them. The, it's going to be like the Baylor game all over again. So why? how do you know I'm never going to go? Maybe I'll go. Like we're going to visit the whole, we're visiting the whole Eastern side of the country. Like we're starting to do a run. It's like, you know, you never know. Like you don't know where we're going to end up living. Um, Maybe. I don't know. Okay. I, I would rather go see the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. You know, it's Got like it. seeing the, yep. cu- the Cubs at Wrigley. You know what I'm saying? It's like, sure, yeah, I get it. I get it. I totally understand what you're saying now. I just thought like, wow, a missed like, opportunity. I'm not like, woohoo, I'll, roll Got tide it. roll has never come out of my mouth. So why would I spend $1,500? <laughs> just because it's to- a famous football college. Isn't Think about famous? what you're saying. It's a famous football college you're never going to visit. $1,500. Is it that famous? I don't, you tell me, you're the football fan. No, I told you no that night. No, it wasn't that famous to me. (laughs) Okay, perfect. It's like, I don't know how more to say it. It's like, it doesn't make me any less of a football fan because I'm budget conscious. It's like, I'm not going to that stupid game, you know? Not worth it. No. It was like the second game of the season. So we just went there to spend the night and look at the campus. Uh, We went there because we had to divert from New Orleans and we didn't have, our other option was Shreveport. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm glad we didn't go Okay. There. Now, does your memory like come back? Uh-huh. Okay, good. All right. So, tell them about like what happened after- I, didn't, I wanted to leave a town with both of my kidneys. That's why we <laughs> stayed in Tuscaloosa. And you did leave. You did leave that Hilton with both of your kidneys. I did. And those people were very nice <laughs> They the were. That was but a good breakfast. But they did not come down on their rates because I checked again. So- <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really good breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, let's talk about- like well, let's talk about Alabama football. So we woke up the next morning. Since I learned a lot going being back there in going, that short amount of time. Speaking of being a fan, okay. So um, when you see oh, uh, when you see uh, Alabama and you know the trees and the rolling hills and all that stuff, um, you it's a lot of rural environment, and there are no major uh, like there are no professional sports in Alabama. Of note, I mean, there is not an NFL team. There's not a baseball team. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no NBA. Um, so naturally, 
Alabama is the thing, especially in the fall, and people get really excited about it. And you know what? They have damn good reason to be because no matter how you want to quantify who the best coach in college football of all time has been, Alabama has both of them. So Paul Bear Bryant uh, won the most games there. He has six national championships. Uh, I think he's got like, I think he won like 360 games or something like that. And um, using the other metric of which coach has the most national championships, Nick Saban also has six national championships from the University of Alabama, except Nick Saban has another national championship he won at LSU. So okay. depending on how you, it doesn't matter how you look at it. Football is religion in Alabama and being there and driving through the campus, we woke up, we drove through and it was a Friday morning and they already had like one and a half miles worth of really glitzy, nice tailgate tents. It was up. amazing. Like I, I, I was so happy that we drove through the campus, even though we weren't, weren't going to the game because I saw firsthand how serious like a like a real football college town is because I've never been, you know, to Oregon to see like, you know, the University of Oregon, they're a big college town. I've never been to, um, you know, like Notre Dame. I mean, I'm talking like, like I've never been to Gainesville, Florida State, right? Like, isn't that a Flor University of Florida? Which one's really big? University of Florida? Florida State's in Tallahassee. Okay, Florida's Tallahassee. In, in Gainesville. Okay. So Florida State, isn't that the big college? Football team? Who's the yeah. big college football team? Well, there are two. Which is I the mean, one? I think Florida more recently has been a more successful Okay, program. so I personally have never been in any of those big college football towns to experience it during football season or any time. So to drive through there, holy cow, it was like out of the movies. Seriously, like, first of all, Alabama looks like it was in Legally Blonde. Like if you've seen that movie, it's yeah. like she was walking around. It was like the campus of Alabama, which it wasn't. It was Harvard, supposedly in the movie. But any case, it like it's just it's everything that you think. Like their Greek row, their buildings looked like libraries. Yeah, they like did. it was insane. They take the fraternity and sorority stuff very seriously. Holy moly. And then- You know, like in the South, like women are, girls are groomed to like be a Delta, Delta Gamma blah, blah, blah. or yeah. whatever yeah. from a very young age. That's true. She has to get in. She's a legacy, you know? Yeah. And then that's to my, see- That's my Southern white mom voice. Do that again? She has to get in. She's a legacy. Well, that was really good. Does it sound good? It sounded very good. All right. Um, okay. So uh, so then to see all the tents set up and the canopies for them getting ready for the football game on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Like when I think tailgate, I think like a cooler from Walmart in the back of someone's truck with yep. some folding chairs and you a think, parking lot. Yeah. You think a pop-up tent and like some uh, Buffalo Bills fan jumping on a Costco table. This was not that. No. This was serious business. You better be dressed to impress when you show up to these tailgates. They are not fooling around and what in I Alabama. And what I was thinking the whole time is like, they do this for every home game. Yeah. Like, like these were party rental trucks. I'm like, no. they do this for every home game. Yep. Yep. So between that and church, I mean, that's the deal. That was cool. I got to say. I, as, it was cool. It was fun. It was the stadium fun. was impressive. I could not be a college. You could I, feel I the energy. I could not imagine being a college student from another 
college rolling up in the bus and seeing that stadium it is daunting. They have the elephant out front, the huge statue. They have Bear Bryant, a statue of him. It's basically, um, you know, we compare football players to gladiators and stuff like that. But I could tell you right now, especially as an Ohio State fan where they whipped our ass so many times. Like, uh, did you know Alabama has won five of the last 10 national championships? I did not know that. They have 75 players currently in the NFL. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, okay. That they've that so have it's been a drafted machine. In the NFL. It's like they just it churn is, out professionals. It, it is a war machine. There's no question. <laughs> and uh, they are just churning out, you know, win after win. Like, I think they're down a little bit this year, but they're never totally out of it. And then boom, the next thing you know, they're in the playoffs, you know? Got it. So all that to say, like rolling up to that stadium, I would be a little intimidated if 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 I were from, uh, you know, West Lafayette Tech. <laughs> you know <laughs> okay so i have a question when we pulled up to the stadium and i parked were you like all kind of giddy inside yeah totally were you? okay yeah. I, I actually watched what everyone was doing the kids there all walking the campus buzz. where yeah. yeah there was a lot of energy being there it was fun i really enjoyed it i was like wow this is so cool like yeah. being a student here yeah and that was it and then after that we split town and we skipped town. We skipped town and we started heading toward Florida. I think the only other thing of note in Alabama is we stopped at that farmer's market somewhere. Remember that farmer's market? We yeah, that at? farmer's market sucked. Um, even the ice cream sucked. Um, but you bought like all kinds of like jellies and you jams like and like pumpkin butter and I did shit buy like pump- that. yeah 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 and that those were all really good but everything else I didn't care for I I, I did okay. get pancake mix that I thought was terrible but go ahead I made my brother and sister in law eat it I don't think Vicky ate it but I did make Ron eat it did you have some too I think it forced it on you as well it was more like a biscuit not good it ended up being a maple scone in it's the end. true <laughs> all right well I guess it's not noteworthy then so strike that from the record people. Um, I guess that sums up our experience in Memphis and our experience with crime and what we thought we knew and what we didn't know about some of the places we visited. We know nothing. We know nothing. This proves Why it. are you even listening to us? <laughs> We're dumb as a bag of nails. All right. So- <laughs> We uh, like barbecue. We like- <laughs> We'll go anywhere for barbecue, even if it means getting shanked. <laughs> yep, exactly. Anyhow, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you are interested in a virtual mailbox service, I can tell you there's no better app to have on your phone than Anytime Mailbox for a few hundred dollars every year. You can have the peace of mind of having your mail opened, scanned, uh, recycled, shredded, forwarded, whatever you want it to do for you. And it's totally up to you what you do with each and every piece. Uh, I can't say enough about the service. So go to skiptownallstars.com forward slash anytime and click through there and find out everything you need to know about Anytime Mailbox. Uh, they are our first corporate affiliate partner That's on the awesome. show. Yeah. Congratulations. We're big people now. We are. I know. We have a virtual mailbox. and so a, important. And a corporate affiliate. We have a corporate affiliate. We are a corporate affiliate. <laughs> are, is that is that a I word? Affiliate? I don't know. Is that a word? Did you just make that up? We're hot shit. There you go. Anyway, that's enough for this week. Take them out. Yeah. Oh, you always catch me off guard. Stop it. Empty nest. Oh. Tank. You forgot. I did not. You just caught me off guard. Later. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.